Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you all are having an absolutely terrific day today. Hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's show. We took off for days. It was Dad's birthday, so we ended up doing a bunch of stuff and had a lot of fun, and he had a great, fantastic day. And so, again, thank you for the continued support for Health Masters, and thank you for getting the truth out there on a regular basis. If you guys need anything, you know where to get a hold of us healthmasters.com and uh, again this i appreciate the emails and i thank you so much for the order comments i've been reading a lot of them i was checking some of them yesterday as well and a lot of positive feedback so thank you again for that and also to be sure to check out the ultimate multiple powder on sale right now and also the product of the week the b complex it was supposed to be updated yesterday as i sent it to our it guy and has not gotten updated yet i just noticed that so i apologize for that but the b complex will be up for sale shortly as product of the week so be sure to check that out at healthmasters.com and if you guys need anything or have any questions Please give us a call. Now, one of the first things that I looked at today, and this is interesting, there's more and more information now that's starting to come out about everything behind this COVID virus manufacturing that obviously now has been worked up for years and years. And senators now basically were in a probe in another meeting discussing how the Fauci-run virus lab in Montana, where essentially they took these this, this concept, this element of this virus from Camp David, and essentially they used this wildlife, uh, uh, this Rocky Mountain Laboratory experimented with viruses and bats, and they took these these bats from one of the um, uh, zoos and then transferred them to Montana to basically work in this whole thing in the Rocky Mountain Laboratories from the uh, Wildlife Preserve. And so what's crazy about this now is there's starting to become this very strange trail and all of a sudden, the Montana lab that started experimenting on these bats sent everything over to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I think more and more now, as obviously this is not surprising, this really isn't even real news anymore in the concept of it being new. It's, I think, reaching to the point now where everybody's starting to realize everything with COVID was fabricated manufacturing. As far as I don't mean it wasn't real, it's very real. But the entire aspect of what we are told from somebody ate a bat in China and it got transferred, it was all complete and total smoke show cover story designed to cover up what they were working on and experimenting on these viruses in order to try to get something ready so they could release them at the ideal time and then roll out the restrictions. Yesterday, Dad and I, we were talking about a few different things as far as when it came to the masks over when it was during COVID. And, you know, it always came down to compliance and control and essentially keeping people reminded of what COVID was. And that was the big experiment to see what you could do. And we were joking about how, you know, I went to some restaurants down in South Florida when I'd gone down there during COVID in 2020. And it was just insanity where, you know, I, where I walked up to a counter to order some food. And the guy behind the counter basically told me I had to put a mask on to order. And I looked around the whole restaurant, everybody in the restaurant, nobody's wearing masks eating. Everybody's sitting down, everybody's eating. Nobody's wearing a single mask. And I asked him, I said, I'm trying to eat. There's, I tried to order food. Just order my food, please. I'm giving you money. And he goes, no, you have to put on a mask to eat or to order. And I said, well, and nobody in here has a mask on. He goes, well, you're required to put your mask on at any point in time when you stand up. I said, so if I stand up, I have to wear a mask. And when I sit down, I can take it off. And he's like, yes. So you're standing right now. You're ordering. You have to put a mask on. I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Just please order my food. I'm really getting hungry. I'm getting irritated. This is not funny to me. And so we get this like protracted argument at the counter with this moron behind the desk that's basically trying to order food. And I told him, I said, dude, just give me my food. I'm ordering my food. And I said, just let me talk to your manager. He goes, well, manager's out of the office right now. I'll call him. 
So he calls the manager on the phone. So I'm still standing here. This is like four or five minutes now, protracted conversation. The entire restaurant's watching me just be a buffoon because it was ridiculous. I had to act like this. So now I'm on the phone. He's holding the phone. I'm arguing with the manager across the counter about not wearing a mask so I can order my food. And finally I told him, I said, do you not understand? I've been up here arguing with you now for five to six minutes. I could have literally ordered my food in 30 seconds and already been sat down and waited for you guys to bring it to me. And I said, I'm up here making a scene over ordering my food. And finally, my buddy walked up there, had like a mask hanging off his ear. And I said, dude, order me a you know, double cheeseburger with this and that. And he literally looks at the other guy standing beside him at the counter. He goes, uh, I need a double cheeseburger with this and that. He puts in the order and he literally I just throw cash on the counter and he puts the order in. And they placed the order for my friend that's standing beside me with a mask hanging off his ear. And I said – I can't. I said the level of stupidity that I'm dealing with right now knows no bounds. The fact that people are actually following this type of nonsense. And I heard a lot of people make excuses and they said, oh, well, this is what they're told and they're, they're employees and they're told what they have to do and they can't do this. The truth about it was that was a complete and total lie. There were many employees that I knew in numerous businesses that didn't comply with any of this stuff and they never went along with it. But it was, again, it was to see the mindset. It was the experiment to see what people were willing to go along with, what people were willing to endure how much suffering people were willing to voluntarily put themselves through all in the name of Fauci says the says Fauci and everything got so so manipulated and twisted. And so again, now we're finding out that everything was a total manufacturer and they put all this stuff together in order to push their agenda. And so again, you gotta ask yourself the question. Why did people comply? And it goes along the psychology and essentially mass compliance. So again, continue to Ask questions, continue to get the truth out there, and by all means, do not comply with anything if it doesn't make sense. It's not a law. It was never anything. It was all it was was a mandate the CDC put in that had no facility to back it up whatsoever, and that's why all the stuff got overturned eventually. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting as well. I was reading an article here. It was talking about how in New York, speaking of you know stupidity, New York – when, and I'm not calling people in New York stupid. I'm being sarcastic. I'm talking about their ideas that the government does up in New York and some of the stuff they implement, which is just moronic. They tried to put in a bill two years ago that the New York Department of Sanitation tried to put in basically a request that they wanted to turn all of their Mack trucks, including their snow plows, into full carbon neutral zero uh, you know, zero carbon electric snow plows. And apparently they put the bids in for Mack trucks. And they finally realized that it was going to be a complete and total failure that for some odd reason nobody realizes that the giant snow plows operating in zero-degree temperature would need batteries the size of Volkswagens under them to operate. And that batteries, lithium-ion batteries, don't function well below 32 degrees, and essentially these snow plows uh, wouldn't be able to snow plow. So they're not working. <laughs> so they decide to scrap the entire program and stick with the diesel Mack trucks that have been around for you know 100 plus years with that technology and continue to use them like they should when they're trying to plow snow. And this goes along with the level of stupidity that's continually being pushed with some people actually agreeing with this in these cities that are going crazy with this. A San Francisco Google bus, uh, basically 100% electric bus, loses power. 
while it's basically in transit and smashes into over a dozen different vehicles, basically because it doesn't run correctly. And all those batteries that are in those things make them unbelievably heavy. And the systems don't work properly when it comes to actually being able to use gears and put something in gear because everything's for electric gearing. And so the whole system failed. The bus went out of control, plowed into a bunch of vehicles. And of course, again, it's being said, oh, it was, a, it was an accident. We'll just continue to update and push further. And the answer is no. This whole thing needs to be scrapped. This whole concept of what they're trying to do with full EV is moronic. If they actually want to work on emissions, hybrid systems are extremely efficient. They've shown that over the last decade with Toyota. Hybrid systems can be very, very effective. But again, hybrid systems are still energy independent. They can go in and you can fill up the fuel. You can charge it up if you want. You can drive, and you don't have to charge it back up if you don't want. Your motor charges the batteries, which is designed to do the hybrid system, so you don't have to be at the hands of the power company and sitting there and being told, oh, well, you know, you only have 70% charge that you can do on here. Oh, your power's been restricted now for 24 hours because you said something mean on Facebook, so your entire account has been restricted. It's on hold now, and you can't charge your vehicle. That's where all this is going with the electric system. That's why they're wanting to push it so hard. They do not have the ability to control the fuel market as much as they want granted they can run prices up they can use the speculators they can increase oil they can do all that but at the end of the day supply and demand always takes hold and when you've got millions of gas stations all over the country with constant reserves and constantly being used you have the ability to pretty much travel anywhere you want in the country fill up within a few minutes and get back on the road and travel freely the electric vehicles that is the entire point of that is to remove that freedom from the landscape of humanity and make it all on our control grid with an electric system it has nothing to do with carbon neutrality or any such stupid stuff that they talk about all the time but other than that how are you doing today dad and uh, happy Happy, happy late birthday as far as on this show for you. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. I got so many birthday wishes yesterday. It was crazy. Thank you so much for all of your texts and all of your emails. And I've got, I haven't got a chance to respond back to everybody yet, but I will. And uh, I really appreciate it. I mean, I had a great day. We went shooting last night. We went and shot some clays, and we had beef brisket for dinner. That was a blast. And, uh, you know, I, it, was just, it was just a great, great day, and I just absolutely loved it. And I want to thank you again for all of your birthday wishes and all the things. And I was getting gifts. I mean, I was, you know, Standard Rock Sands, is beautiful shirt says, you know, I think it says not vaccinated, you know, conservative meat eater, anything else I can do to offend you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got to love this shirt. And, and so I just think it's awesome that, you know, we're, we're going to we do a show that have, has so many listeners that are so awake and that we can sit here and pray for you guys on an ongoing basis. And you guys support health masters. And we've got this reciprocity thing going on and I love you guys for it. I mean, you guys are absolutely amazing and I'm blessed to be part of your lives. And thank you so very, very much. There's an interesting article out here about Israel right now. And, you know, it says Colonel Douglas MacArthur, Israel is losing everywhere. And it says Israel will lose. And here's why this is an article by Kevin Barrett. And I, I thought there was a different take on this because it's not what you've been hearing from everybody else. Because ever since February 2022, Western mainstream media has been telling us that Russia cannot possibly win its war in Ukraine. So Zelensky with hundreds of billions of dollars backing from the West would surely prevail. Russia has always been taking unbearably heavy losses. Putin is always about to kneel over dead. A fresh shipment of U.S. wonder weapons will turn the tide. A crushing U.S. You know, Ukrainian victory is always at hand because we could not imagine losing Ukraine. Western pundits could not see that it was losing. They missed the fact from the moment the non-Western world majority refused to accept that U.S. sanctions on Russia, it was effectively over. Virtually the entire war has been fought under the shadow of an inevitable Russian victory. It has always been just a matter of time. Might a similar situation prevail in the war for Palestine? 
This is, this is an interesting take on this. I'm not sure if I agree with it or not. Let's look at it. The non-Western world majority has turned sharply against Israel, true, even more sharply than it turned against the U.S. on its war in Russia through Ukraine, true. Yet Western media continue to manufacture and inhabit a bubble completely divorced from moral and strategic reality. They can't even imagine Israel being in the wrong, this is of course from the Schofield Reference Bible, even though it obviously is. They can't imagine Hamas being noble and chivalrous and Israel's being cowardly, child-killing terrorists that they are. Such a thought is obviously the case. They can't acknowledge that the vast majority of the world disagrees with them for very good reason, not because of anti-Semitism. And above all, they can't imagine that Israel, despite of or because of its genocidal assaults on civilians, is losing the war. Just as you had to read pro-Russian sources like the Colonel Douglas MacArthur to get the truth about the war in Ukraine – you need to stay abreast of the pro-resistance global majority view to get an accurate picture of the war for Palestine. To that end, check out the Google Translated Assisted rendition here that he's going to read right now. It says, Israel leaders are preparing a tense and frustrated Israeli public for unseen surprises for the Gaza war by taking along. Okay, again, this is a translated thing. I'm not going to read it because the grammar is absolutely awful. I'll, I'll read part of it. The Israeli leadership has launched its war on Gaza at a time when it has confidence of only 27 percent of the Israeli public, while only about 51 percent trust the Israeli army. Added to this are the burdens of a quarter of a million people seeking refuge from the Gaza region and northern areas in Lebanon, as well as more than 240 Israels held prisoner by the resistance in Gaza, which I personally don't believe. And it goes on in detail talking about Israel's basically uh, doesn't want this war and that Israel wasn't ready for this war, and its leadership level with Benjamin Netanyahu, how bad it is, and how the economic situation, how Israel's economy is going to be directly affected by this, and that the U.S. support for Israel is eroding. I'll read part of that. In contrast to the direct report at the beginning of the administration of President Joe Biden began to reassess his absolute support for Netanyahu for fear that things would spiral into a wider regional war. Now the United States is bombing Syria again. I thought I'd mention that. Washington fears the crazy scenarios that Netanyahu may create in an attempt to save his future at America's expense. Remember, Netanyahu is a career criminal. After about a month, the Americans realized that the only constant to the Israeli plan was the massive use of destructive force targeting civilians and infrastructure in Gaza. It seemed Netanyahu was waiting for a solution to save himself from a harsh predicament of the sands of Gaza and waiting for the illusion of the resistance surrender that wasn't going to happen. And they began to have doubts about Israel's management of the war and the results. And so all of this stuff that we're talking about right now is only because Netanyahu has the backing of the United States of America with our massive nuclear might, that Netanyahu has the backing of probably over 100 nuclear bombs that he has in Israel that are, that his, or that, or that at his, his, his disposal if he wishes to use them. The only problem that he's going to have is Gaza is right next to Israel, and he starts nuking Gaza – He's going to basically have fallout and all kinds of other stuff come into Israel. So he's got a mess on his hands, and the world is turning against us because this fight for Palestine has been going on for a long, long, long time. Ever since Israel started taking over more and more of the Golan Heights and more and more of Palestine, more and more of Gaza, even starting in the 1967 war. All of this stuff is a mess. And so it's like Austin said the other day, why are we involved in this? Why are we getting involved in this? Why are we putting money and resources into this mess in Gaza and Israel when the United States is fiscally bankrupt with trillions of dollars in deficits every single year that we have absolutely no hope of paying back, yet we borrow more money from the Fed, which is owned by Israel – ooh, I said that, didn't I? – which is owned by you know Rothschilds, 
And so we are basically forcing the American population into greater and greater debt to support a country that absolutely hates Christians. And so it's a weird situation to be in. And you, and you stop and you look at it and you go, hmm, should we really be doing this? And again, my response has always been from the very beginning, if these guys want to kill each other, let them kill each other and just leave us out of the loop, period. By the way, the Daily Mail has an interesting story. It says the liberal U.S. city would eat where, where, where even the addicts are begging for drugs to be made illegal again. Tom Leonard on knew how Portland led the way relaxing narcotics laws in a tide that swept America, then quickly and bitterly regretted it. Donna Pinala and her husband, Utah, could be presenting a cookery TV show for all their breezy enthusiasm as they show the ingredients, utensils they keep stashed away in the shopping trolley they push around, except that what they are looking for and looking up is fentanyl, a synthetic opioid 50 times more powerful than heroin, and so devastating it was laid waste to towns and cities across the U.S. We're having that same problem now here in Central Florida with people walking around Auburndale, our little town, drugged out of their minds. These homeless addicts, their patient dog Rockstar and a human companion who can barely stay upright, let alone speak, are standing on a corner of one of the busiest thoroughfares in downtown Portland, but the endless stream of people on their way to work past them without comment. The people show off their drugs, their blue pills, their blues for her, and they're talking about all of the drugs that are available to these guys now in Portland because it was made legal. It's also the biggest city in the state where voters decided by a comfortable majority in 2020 to become the first in the U.S. to decriminalize the possession of personal amounts of all, of all hard drugs, including heroin, methamphetamine, and even fentanyl. Wow. However, it remains a criminal offense to sell the substance, but nobody's enforcing the law. Three years on, the policy known as Measure 110 has proven to be disastrous. Even Utah, the 33-year-old former forklift driver who prefers to give the male only his street name, freely admits he cannot understand what possessed the fellow Oregonians to support the move. Speaking of the policy's effect on drug use in the city, he says, it made it worse. He says, don't get me wrong. It makes it better for me. But getting the police off our backs and giving us free pipes and foil to do our drugs is not going to get us off the streets. He estimates that 20% of the city's more than 5,000 homeless people want to tackle their addiction, but it's hard when they live in a city that measure 110 has turned into what even the left-wing New York Times recently called a drug user's paradise. Now, you know, here's the problem you have with all of this stuff, and I'm not saying that these people aren't addicts and they're not addicted and that they really need medical intervention and spiritual intervention. They really need to be in church. Somebody needs to be praying for them, and somebody needs to be helping them. But these people who do this, who start on drugs when they're very, very young, they've made these choices to themselves. They've made the choice, and they've now have to deal with the consequences. And I feel sorry for them. I do. But this was a decision that they made when they were younger, and they've continued to make the same decision. And I understand a lot of times their parents got them started on drugs. They got they got they won. They did not win the lottery. They got unbelievably cursed with the lottery of their parents and their childhood. But yet they've chosen to stay in that cursed environment. I don't know how to say to a person, don't take a drug that you're addicted to. I don't know how to say to a person, don't drink alcohol that you're addicted to. But I've said to you guys a hundred times, if not a thousand times, I've never heard anyone say that my life was a wreck and I started drinking and everything got better. I've never heard anyone say that my life was a wreck and I started using fentanyl and my life got better. You know, I know Sharon's brother, you know, he was her half brother. You know, he ended up dying of a heroin overdose, you know, years ago. And, you know, he he was a lifelong drug user from the time he was like 12, 13 years old. And, you know, one of his family members enabled that behavior by continuing to give him money all the time. 
And it wasn't us. It wasn't Sharon and I. We didn't do that at all. But the reality is this. These are the choices that people make. I told you the story that I was, you know, in a car one time and they, they, they started doing drugs and it was, I was on the way to Orlando with them. And I told them to take me back to my vehicle and I wasn't going to be involved in this. Everybody, and they, and they did. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it gets kind of graphic, but I, I, I got them, I got them to turn the car around. I, you know, let me explain to them. I gave them, I made them an offer they couldn't refuse as far as me knocking one of them out if they didn't basically turn the car around. I said, you said, well, that sounds awful. Okay, look, here's the deal. That was my resolve. I said, if you do not basically say, I'm not going to be involved in this, I'm not going to do this, it just goes down a slippery slope, and it gets worse and worse and worse. I don't care if it's alcohol or it's drugs, and I know I'm being preachy right now, but guys, I was raised in a bar. I was raised in a German beer tavern. My parents got divorced. My mom opened up a German beer tavern because she was German, and basically she stayed in the bar. I worked in the bar for a decade. And I know what it's like to be around that environment of drugs and alcohol. There weren't drugs in the bar, but I know what it feels like to be around the alcohol and watching people fall asleep on the bar at night because they're so drunk and then getting in the car and driving home. I've seen that repeatedly. It's an environment that basically has no positive outcome. It's an environment where the people have to make a choice sooner or later of whether they want to live like that or not or if they want to move on with their life. And see, I know that people get addicted to stuff like fentanyl or even, you know, even nicotine or even alcohol, and it's very difficult to get out of. Here's my suggestion to you. Get involved with your church if you have these problems and use the resources that are available to the church, even if you have to check into a halfway house in order to get clean. Do anything you have to to get out of the situation that you put yourself into and make the choices from that point on in your life not to do that anymore. The biggest problem that people have is they make mistakes, and it's not that we don't all make mistakes. It's they make the same mistake over and over and over again. The second biggest problem that they make is the fact that these mistakes involve certain people in which they should need to disassociate themselves with. We had this kid that I knew in elementary school, and he was a bully. He was a weirdo. I mean I remember one time he came to the bus station, and he was sniffing glue. Next time he comes to the bus stop, you know, for school, and he's sniffing gas, huffing gasoline. I mean, he's like 10, 12 years old. He's already involved with this and where he was seeing this behavior from, I don't know. It could have been his parents. It could have been his older brother. It could have been a friend. I don't know. But this is what he started doing. And so we have our class reunion a few weeks ago, and this guy is still alive. I think he's addicted to meth now. He's got sores all over his body last time I saw him. You know, and I, and I talked to him, and in this time he didn't show up at the class reunion. And he told our class president, he goes – I've made bad choices my entire life, and I'm dealing with the consequences, or he paraphrased it, something like that, because I don't remember exactly what my class president said, but that's close to what he said. He didn't show up at the class reunion, because by the time you go up to a class reunion down the road, and your life is what it is, and we're at the retirement age now, you start to realize that you've made good choices or you've made bad choices. And I'm not trying to be preaching this morning. Well, well, maybe a little bit I am. But listen, if you're making bad choices, there's a point in time when you've got to say, you know what? I think I'm going to make a good choice now. You know, I, I think I'm going to start eating an apple a day, you know, organic apple a day to try to help my bowels and my blood sugar and all the rest. I think I'm going to start taking a good set of supplements every single day to try to figure out how to make my health better. I think I'm going to start exercising and working out and drinking distilled water every day. And you don't have to do it all at once. You know, you can take a process over a six-week period and do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And, and that's what I've always taught people to do. Take a, take a choice and see what it does because, you know, it's like this. If you walk into a meeting late and you've got a job interview, you know, the chances are that boss who you're interviewing with won't even see you, and so you're not going to get that job. So maybe you need to be on time. Maybe you need to learn to leave 15 minutes earlier just in case you get caught in traffic. 
if you show up at a job interview and you're using filthy language and the boss doesn't cuss, there's a high probability he's not going to want you and your filthy language working for him. Just thought I'd mention that. If you walk in and you're dressed really sloppy, there's a high probability that you know if you're wearing flip-flops and a T-shirt or you don't have a shirt on, there's a high probability you're not going to get the job. If you walk into the job interview and you've got satanic imagery all over your arms with tattoos that you put on, you need to wear a long sleeve shirt. Just thought I'd mention that, okay? And, and you think, well, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't matter. I know it shouldn't be that way. I know it shouldn't matter, but it does. You can do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, but it's going to have consequences to it. If I walk out into a, a platform, I'm a platform speaker. I walk out into a seminar, and I've got 50,000 people in the room. I've got a stadium that I'm talking to, and I can walk in out with a T-shirt on and a pair of shorts and no shoes. There's a high probability nobody's going to take me seriously, whether I want them to or not, so I wear a nice suit. If I walk out there and I start using filthy language and telling filthy jokes while I'm out there in front of 50,000 people, there's a really high probability a bunch of people are going to get up and walk out. And pretty soon out of the 50,000 people, I may have 1,000 people left who like to smoke and drink and cuss and tell dirty jokes and are covered in satanic imagery on their tattoos and who like to walk around in flip-flops and T-shirts. And all of a sudden I took that 50,000 group of people and I've wintered it down to 1,000 and probably most of them are broke. What am I going to do with that? You say, well, it shouldn't be that way. They shouldn't care. They shouldn't judge you. They do judge you. Whether you like it or not, whether you wanted to judge you or not, they judge you. And that's the problem with the world. We have certain responsibilities, especially as a Christian, to live a certain way and have a certain moral fiber in our lives. And if we're not willing to do that and we're promoting the fact that we're a Christian, what ends up happening is we come across as being a hypocrite. We come across as not being sincere. We come across as being a weirdo. And the world sees it. Well, it shouldn't be that way. I, I know. I got that. But it is. You know, you're going to do drugs. You're gonna, you, you show up to a job interview and you're stoned out of your mind and you can't even talk. You think they're going to hire you. Your eyes are all glazed over. You don't pass a drug test. You think they're going to hire you. No. Think through the, what you're doing and realize that if you're on the street in Portland and you're on drugs, maybe you need to check yourself into a rehab center. Maybe you need to go to the hospital and check yourself into the hospital as an emergency patient to get cleaned up. Do something with your life to change it. Now, I know a lot of you are going to listen to me this morning. You're going to say, that makes sense. It really does. And a lot of you are going to say, well, I don't care what they think. It doesn't make any difference to me what they think. That's okay, too. But always remember, when you throw a big net out into the world to try to catch as many prospects or as many people or as many people that you want to talk to or as many friends as you want to have – if your net has all kinds of problems associated with that net, it's not going to catch as many people as you'd like. You won't have the opportunities given to you that so many other people are going to have. Learn that. I remember in German, you invert verbs. My first language was German. As I remember when I was younger, sometimes I'd invert a verb. It would be backwards because English was my second language. And it was funny because I remember I was dating this girl. Her name was Melinda. In fact, she's the one who got me saved, got me going to church and got me commit my heart and life to Christ. And I'll never forget this. One day she said to me, she goes, well, Ted, every once in a while, your grammar's not perfect. You know, I was raised by a mother who didn't speak English very well at all. And, and I said to her, she goes, can I help you with that? And I looked at her. I said, sure. I said, as long as you don't correct me in public, I'm good. But if we're together and I say a word incorrectly or my grammar's not perfect – if you want to fix me, that help me fix that, I'd like for you to do that, please. And she did. And, you know, within, within 10 years, I'm speaking on the platform with presidents. Now, what would happen if I hadn't listened to Melinda? What would happen if I hadn't listened to Melinda and gotten saved? What if I hadn't listened to Melinda and hadn't cleaned up my grammar? 
I wouldn't have been as effective as a communicator as I am because I was willing, teachable, coachable, whatever you want to call it, to make the choices that I needed to make. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. When I saw this article about Portland and these drug addicts talking to the Daily Mail and being interviewed by them, they're relatively articulate. It's obviously they can think still even though they've had all these drugs in them, but the problem is that drug becomes their taskmaster. It's like alcohol will become your taskmaster. Pot could become your taskmaster. You know, all of this stuff. That's why I said, you know, you can drink a glass of beer, a glass of wine every once in a while, like a couple times a year. Who cares? But don't get into the habit of doing that stuff every single day because a lot of people get addicted to that stuff and become alcoholics. They start destroying brain cells. They increase the risk of pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, cirrhosis of the liver, osteoporosis, and breast cancer. All these things happen from alcohol. And with women in particular, it's unbelievably hard on their livers. They don't process alcohol nearly as well as men do. So it's important that we understand this stuff, that if you do certain things, you're going to massively increase your risk of cancer, increase your risk of heart disease, increase your risk of diabetes, increase your risk of obesity. And so all of a sudden now you find yourself with heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and you're obese. You're kind of like, what the heck just happened? It didn't just happen over the last 10 minutes, guys. It happened over the last 20 or 30 years. A guy doesn't take care of himself. You know, and now he becomes impotent. He ends up with erectile dysfunction. Just talk about this one for a second. And now all of a sudden he's got all these health problems associated with his cardiovascular system. Well, he decides to use Viagra or Cialis. Well, two of the side effects on those particular drugs are blindness and deafness because it causes auditory and, you know, basically, you know, visual you know, damage to the optic nerve. You go blind and deaf. So now here you are. Now you're impotent and you're blind and you're deaf. How'd that work out for you? Now it's about now you've got the trifecta going on. I mean, how that and it's all because of choices. And see, and that's the thing that people don't get. All of these things happen to you over a period of time, but you can mitigate most of it by just changing the attitude and changing the choices and continuing to do what you need to do on an ongoing basis from a health standpoint or from a Christian standpoint. And it's, I'm going to ask you these three questions again. I've asked you this multiple times on the show, and, I, and by the way, if you didn't hear yesterday's show, you need to hear yesterday's show. It was, a, it was a show of shows. We go into detail about God and Christ and all the rest of the choices that we make in life. Ask yourself, what am I doing? What's it doing to me, and is that okay? Those are the three questions. What am I doing? What's it doing to me, and is it okay? And if, if it's doing something not okay to you, why do you continue to do it? Very, very, very important. But I thought I'd give you guys a little mini sermon today. I love you guys. Also, what do you think about what's your next story? Uh, you're absolutely right. It's very valid. That's why we talk so much as far as especially about like health and nutrition and putting proper nutrients and supplements in your body and continuing making sure you have all those right products in your body so your body can run at optimal conditioning. That way, if you got to push it really hard one day, if you really got to do something one day, or you got to protect your family, if you got to go do something that's very strenuous, you have the ability to do so. Your body goes, okay, I can handle that. We're good. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll push it right now. But if you constantly are living off fast food and Twinkies and donuts and beer and all the other things in between, and you can't, you can't even walk up a flight of stairs, and then you want to go, oh, yeah, man, well, if, if we got a problem, if we got an apocalypse or invasion, I'm, I'm going to do something about it. I got, I got 15 AR-15s. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. Like, okay, cool. What are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm going to gear up. I'm like, dude, you have a hard time taking the trash can in the driveway. Really? I'm just being honest with you. You're out of breath. I mean, what do, you, what do you possibly expect to do in some type of direct engagement? Or if you're out in public and somebody tries to come after you or your family, what are you going to do? You fall over, wheezing and coughing? That sounds like a good plan. No, it's a horrible plan. And there's things you have to think about and continually plan for any type of external activity to occur outside of the scope of what you're basically you're used to. 
And that's why if you continually keep your body strong, you continually keep your body alert, you give it the raw nutrients, it will do what you need it to do when you need it to do so. Just something I thought I would throw out there. Also, to another news, this is interesting as well. I was reading earlier because, you know, obviously we're seeing this massive push for cashless society. I've talked about it for years now. We're seeing it more and more and more. And what's interesting about this now is the Optus blackout telco blackout if you guys have noticed been following the last couple of days there's been multiple outages with telecommunication providers and virtual terminals randomly out of nowhere one of them one of them was in australia there's another one now basically all over the place in australia called optus as well that had a substantial outage on november 8 resulting in a stop to all call services in any bank card transactions zero i mean the whole country pretty much went dark when it came to transactions on credit cards and debit cards, period. If you did not have cash and you were in the store, you were walking out with it unless you wanted to steal it. it. It was like that for hours upon hours upon hours. And what's happened is now Australians are not saying that basically this frustration is not going to bode well for going in and making everything cashless and that they basically are starting to, once everything opened up, everybody started withdrawing cash out of ATMs and banks again. This is why I've told you before, it's really, really important. If you have any extra backup cash, even though cash fiat currency, it's still currently right now is widely accepted. Let's just be real. You know, if you go to the gas station, you can go buy, you know, 50 gallons, 20 gallons, 30 gallons worth of fuel, whatever cash you have. It's there. It's available. So the thing that is is you have to understand that they're trying to do this digital currency, and it's in the same facet that they're wanting to do the electric cars. It falls in the exact same category. This is what you have to grasp for a second. The electric cars are being pushed so they can control when and how you can drive and when and how you can charge and where you can go. The digital currency is doing the same thing. They want to prevent you from being able to buy anything freely unmolested on your way without being massively taxed or simply shut your debit card off. Think about what kind of world if we allow this to turn into where all there are are electric cars that are under the control of charging by basically the banker boys. And everything is digital currency where everything you purchase or try to transact is under a digital currency and there is no ability to give cash. Think about how dark that's going to go for a second and how controlling that's going to go for a second. And that's why it's really important to keep cash alive because I saw this earlier with this stuff. All these people down there in Australia, this was this got people's attention really, really fast. That's why I always tell people when we're out and about, always try to keep – especially if you go on a trip, always. I don't care what it is. If you've got to you know, withdraw some cash out of the bank, I'm not giving you financial advice, but always. If you're going on a road trip with your family, always keep back up cash. I mean I laughed at basically my uh, – my brother-in-law years ago, he has never done this again, is he basically went on a trip one time, came to Florida because he lives in Texas. He works for a contractor out there. He came to Florida, and he was bragging about how he only had $5 in cash with him, and he's been using his debit card and getting these points. This was years ago now. And he uh, – my wife chewed him out. She's a brother. She said, what are you talking about? She said, you're going on a full trip all the way here, and you only brought $5. because goes, well, that's all I had in my wallet. I didn't want to get any cash. I want to do everything on a debit card or a credit card get my points. And she goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen you do. What happens if it doesn't go right? And sure enough, when he was down here, he ended up having some fraud on his card. And they basically end up having to stop it, and he ended up getting some stuff situated on it, and it, it was able to work through. She goes, what happens if you couldn't have gotten a hold of him? Now all of a sudden, you're in a state in another you know area on a trip, and you can't use anything. you got to start using a backup card. Hopefully that backup card still works, or you got to use another backup card. 
no bueno, no good, don't go for it, continue to keep cash alive on a regular basis. Also, to another health news, this is interesting, the hits just keep coming against Monsanto, and as we've seen now over the years, and it's ironic to me that nobody really addresses this and continues to just allow this stuff to be used. Biotech for Monsanto has now been ordered by a Pennsylvania jury to pay another $175 million in damages to a man who suffered from cancer after using the company's weed killer for over two decades. October 27th, jurors in the state court of Philadelphia were plaintiff $25 million in actual damages and $150 in punitive damage over claims that he dealt non-Hodgkin's lymphoma after using Monsanto's Roundup in his garden. This is happening all over the place, guys. I mean, these, these, these judgments are repeatedly coming out. Nobody's talking about them in most cases because Monsanto's trying to keep everything down. My question is this to everybody. We now know with enough court convictions – that Monsanto knowingly put a compound out called Roundup or glyphosate that is directly linked to cancer, primarily non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and a host of other cancers. We know this stuff is being used regularly in the market, especially on non-organic foods, especially foods that's mass, mass, um, this massive grown, you know, as far as with all the GMO corn and all Roundup resistant corn. If you know this stuff is directly linked to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the research shows it, the data shows it, the pig research shows it, the mouse research shows it, the punitive damages in all these cases that are awarded and it shows it. Why in the world are you eating that stuff on a regular basis or at least not trying to mitigate it? I mean that sincerely. Do your research on what you're eating because it is so important. This stuff is unbelievably toxic, and everybody's eating it and putting it in their system on a regular basis. And That's why it's causing so many gut issues, so many liver issues because what's happened is the body's becoming so overwhelmingly toxic by this stuff. It can't detox out. It's not getting a break. This is why I've repeatedly told people, and I've seen incredible results with it from – I mean, probably hundreds of people as far as doing a good GHI detox cleanse. That's really, really important. You can go in, you can use that product as a fast because it's it's got pea and rice protein in it. It's got mineral balance in it. It works really, really good as far as for helping to detoxify the body. It works really, really good at reducing inflammation. And you can turn around and use it and use it as a fast for a five, six, seven-day fast, three-day fast, whatever you want to do, and help your body detox all this crud that we put in there all the time on a regular basis because it doesn't matter i mean even if you're still eating fairly clean you're still getting exposed to stuff but at least if you're eating clean and organic you're slowly mitigating that effect and you're not getting that toxic buildup that's why i told you guys when we started carrying the organic food buckets that i've seen those things tested and i mean they're really really clean the usda full certified organic food that they have to process to put in there that's one of the reasons why they're so pricey but again at the end of the day i've told people this before if you're really healthy if you're eating really clean and you're in really good shape, and all of a sudden we've got a serious scenario or a catastrophe that's occurring, and you've got these $99 buckets from Costco that literally are straight corn syrup solids with rice solids and you know corn bran and stuff. I mean some of the ingredients are embarrassing. I mean, you can tell these companies, these food companies, what they did was they go in and they take – the cheapest mixing agents that are like high calories, like corn flour and high fructose corn syrup, and they buy them in bulk, and then they literally just mix them into these bags, and they turn around and add a bunch of salt, a bunch of flavor to make them taste decent, and then they throw them in there, and they sell them for $100 a bucket, and they're like, oh, yeah, four weeks supply of food for $99. I'm like, really? You really going to eat for four weeks on a $99 budget? Currently today, you really think that's legitimately going to happen with any level quality of food? If you look at the ingredients, the answers were astounding. No, because 
that's what a lot of these companies are doing. So be sure if you are stocking up on food, which I highly recommend, you're doing so with food that you're going to actually be able to eat on a regular basis and not just a feel-good bucket that you put in your closet. And you say, well, calories are calories. That's not accurate, my friend. I can tell you that right now because if you start getting in a serious situation where you're really trying to have to exert your body, it may function for a while with some of those calories, but eventually it's going to get so toxic you're going to start feeling so horrific you're not going to be at peak performance. And again, I don't know about y'all, but that's – place that I generally like to be is not on peak performance, especially when I need to do something. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting on the another study now, it basically got just kind of put on the back burner and no one to talk about. Studies are now showing elevated stroke risk in parents who received the flu and COVID vaccine together. Surprise, surprise. I don't even know why this is anything you know new. Researchers from Kaiser Permanente have found that there's a heightened risk of stroke for individuals under the age of 65 who received the flu shot and Pfizer shot together on the same day. In the study, scientific scientists identified 373 strokes in patients in the 42 days after receiving the bivalent vaccine, and after 42 days, five. 1,511 strokes were reported after 42 days. Researchers have now shown that essentially there might be an elevated risk. However, the risk is worth the reward because it helps protect you against flu and against COVID. Again, my friends, this is a complete and total bold-faced lie. Neither one of these shots protect you against anything. I know dozens of people that got the flu shot. Every time they get the flu shot, I talk to them or doctors or nurses or people out in the community. And they suddenly go, oh, man, I got the flu shot. Now I'm sick as a dog. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And that's because you're being injected with the flu virus. So you're intentionally injecting yourself with the flu virus and all the following adjuvants that are designed to cause an inflammatory response in your body and then throwing in a COVID shot, which is even more dangerous. And then people are going, we don't know why he went into cardiac arrest or we don't know why he had a stroke. Couldn't possibly have been the shot. No, the shot massively contributes to it. Be aware of that and get the truth out on a regular basis and encourage people to really make sure they're doing research, especially, as I say, almost every day with these young children. Because the fact that this new COVID booster got emergency use authorization for six-month-olds and older is very, very disturbing, to say the least. What do you think, Tim? It's more than disturbing, Austin. It's that it just shows the massive stupidity of the government, compromised government, the massive stupidity of parents who give their six-month-old children these shots. I don't even have to say. And, you know, I've, I've talked to so many women now who basically, you know, because I'm in this crazy dating world, who basically took the COVID shot, and I try to eliminate them immediately as far as going out with them, and they're sick. I mean, they're sick. They're, they've got all kinds of health problems, immune system problems, and a lot of them, are, they've, gained, they've gained weight from it. I mean, I mean, on and on and on and on. And they're, they're all wishing they had never taken it. But the reality is there's still a certain percentage of them out there that didn't get any side effects from it. And they're still giving it to their children and taking more and more and more injections. And it's sad because they're not paying attention to what's happening globally. They're not bothering to look at alternative media. Now, let me stop for one second. A lot of people out in the world, both men and women and married couples and everything else, don't look at alt news. And there's a reason for that. Their schedules are so busy. That you know they've got you know they've got their children in fourteen different sports, and I'm being facetious, probably three or four different sports. That's not being facetious. That's not hyperbole. And they're they're a taxi service, and they're running around, running around, running around, running around. They can't even schedule in an extra ten minutes a week. Everything's completely tied up. They don't even have time for a date night as a couple, and that ends up causing all kinds of problems with the marriage. But but the sad part about this is is that you know they don't have the time, or they won't take the time to pick up the alt media and say the dangers of the COVID shot for children and just Google it and it's going to pop up everywhere. And they don't have time to do that because they've made an excuse that they're too busy and their lifestyles are too 
fulfilling or too extreme to do it. Now, what ends up happening is when you do that with your spouse, and I'm going to warn everybody here with this, you go one direction, they go another direction. And after about 10, 12 years, you find yourselves being a roommate. And neither one of you really understand each other anymore, and you both grow apart. I hear that. I've heard that so many times. Sharon and I always did a date night every week. We'd go to the movies. We'd go on a cruise. We'd do whatever we had to do, go to dinner. And I mean, I, sometimes I remember we'd go to – I remember one time we were driving to Tampa, and it was uh, one of those deals that – this is a – I shouldn't tell you the story, but I'm going to tell it to you anyhow. This was years ago, and we were going to a restaurant over at Ybor City. It's a Greek restaurant called Acropolis. Really good food. They got some of the best Spanakopita I've ever had. Only time I've ever had better Spanakopita is when Sharon would make it or when I was in Athens, Greece, period. It's that good of food. And it's on 7th Street, Ebor. Be careful, Ebor. Don't go there at night. The place is too dangerous. But during the daytime, it's all right. So we're driving to Ebor. And we're having lunch together. It was after the show. We're driving over there. The traffic has gotten bad. So I did a no-no. I got in the on-merging lane. And I went about around a bunch of traffic. And I kind of crossed the well, around a white median. And I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to get phone calls about this. I'm being like true confessions here. So don't start on me, all right? Well, I get pulled over by the state trooper. He pulls me over. Uh, it may have been a sheriff. I can't remember. I think it was a sheriff. And he pulls me over in an unmarked charger and says, you cut across that white median and you got into that merge lane and you you saved yourself about half a mile of backup. And I said, yeah, I did. And he looked at me kind of like funny. He goes, you're admitting to this? I'm like, yeah, I am. You saw me do it. You know, so what are you going to do? Lie to you? I'm not going to lie to you. You saw me do it. And he goes, well, you must be in an, you must have an emergency. You must be get late for an airplane. I said, no, I'm going with my wife. He looked at me kind of funny. He goes, well, what's the rush? I said, I said, the city and the state and the government, you know, six lane this highway, three lanes on each side 20 years ago. There should have been six lanes on both sides. It should have been a super highway from Tampa all the way up to Daytona Beach. And it's not. And I said, it's a nightmare. I said, we got spring break. I said, the traffic's backed up. And, yeah, I cut, you know, over this median a little bit and went up on the merge lane and I cut out some traffic. He goes, you, you, you admit to it. I said, well, yeah, you saw me do it. And he was wearing a mask. And I looked at him. I said, why are you wearing that mask? It's a couple of years ago with COVID and about three years ago. And he goes, well, you know, we're, we're required to wear masks. And I said, the sheriff's officers in Polk County aren't. They're basically under Grady Judd. He goes, well, I love Grady Judd. I said, well, you all love Grady Judd. He's a good friend. He's a good man. Great guy. Great Christian man. Has a Bible on his desk. He goes, well, I wish I worked in Polk County instead of Hillsborough County. <laughs> so we're, now we're having this conversation. And so I'm talking to him. And I said, you know, I said, look, the masks don't work. He goes, I know that, but they force us to wear them. I said, okay, look. I said, number one, don't take the shot. He goes, I don't want to do it. They're telling us we got to take that down too. I said, no, don't do it. Just tell them no. So now I'm having this conversation with him. Finally, he looks at me. He goes, well, I'm not going to give you a ticket. And I'm like, oh. He says, you told you, you're the first person that's ever told me the truth. And <laughs> I started laughing at him, and I said, that's a sad indictment. He goes, no, it's true. It is. You're, you're, you admitted to it. But the reality is this. You know, when we make the choices that we make and we talk to people the way we need to talk to them, we've got to make a choice as far as how it's going to affect us and what it's going to do. And so when these people take these shots and they do this stuff and they have all these health problems later on in life or even almost immediately, you got to ask yourself a question. Do I want to do more shots? And like I also said with these kids and stuff, it's just not necessary to be doing this without looking at the research. But I'll, I digress. Here's another article. Anti-Defamation League. It used to be called the Anti-Jewish Defamation League, by the way. It was all part of the benign birth. It, well, it didn't matter how it got started 100 years ago. Now blaming white supremacists for eruption of anti-Semitism. Wow, right? Because the current thing narratives are nothing if not predictable, I speculated on Twitter last week on how and the governing authorities would try to blame white people for the burgeoning civilization conflict between the Jews and the Arabs in the Middle East. 
Muslims unfolding on American on European streets. <laughs> it's a really good article. And he goes, he starts talking about the Jewish community is now, you know, saying they're under attack and the a Muslim community say they're under attack. And now they're saying that the main reason is it's because of white supremacists. <laughs> of course, the inconvenient reality for the ADL is the vast majority of protests against Israel's siege on Gaza are conducted by non-white Muslims, not non-white, but by, by white Christians. <laughs> However, social justice dogma dictates that brown people of diverse faith cannot be perpetrators of any sort of hate crime. Accordingly, the blame must fall on the white man. The proverbial whipping boy for millennium-old religious conflicts between the Semites. This is a funny article. I'll post it again. In a bittersweet irony, I would be remiss not to note that it was exactly anti-white hate groups like the ADL that cheerleaded the mass-scale import of third-world immigrants, many of whom harbored deep-seated old-world hostilities towards Israel. You're talking about the Arabs now. It was the ADL that inculcated the anti-colonial race hate of the BLM variety, and it was the ADL that derided the critics of the poor of the color revolution inside the United States as irredeemable deplorables. <laughs> this is a great article. I posted it about a week ago. I'm going to go ahead and put it back up again because I love it. And it's telling you the truth. But you got to remember, the ADL always looks at the white people as the boogeyman. It's a hardcore liberal leftist Jewish organization that hates Christians. Oh, wow. I said that. And yes, I'll say it again on another show, but you can rewind it so you can hear what I just said. It's who they are. And if you understand that, you start to realize it is constant blame shifting with these clowns. This group was started 100 years ago to allow the Jews to be basically a a, a special interest group to be persecuted so they can come out and attack everybody for being an anti-Semite. Well, the Muslims are Semites too. Let's get a reality check here. They're both Semites. I'm not anti-Muslim. I'm not anti-Jewish. I don't care. Just leave us out of your stupid conflicts. And you know, don't try to force your central banks down our throat. Just leave us alone. Let us do our thing. Let us be Christians. That's because we want to be that way. Raise our children in the best we possibly can and teach them about Jesus and about God and tell us and don't tell us what we have to do and what we have to believe if it's contrary to our Christian faith. How about you do that? And everybody gets to get along. <laughs> I love you guys. I have the opportunity to pray for you again. You know, it's been an interesting show today, uh, but um, I appreciate you. Listen to yesterday's show. You're going to love it. Austin, finish it up, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Absolutely. There's no question about it. There's, a, there's, And this is what I've told you guys again before with the constant conflict that they manufacture all the time in the mainstream media with this back and right, this left and right, back and forth parody, this paradigm, I should say, where they kept keep telling you, well, you have to support Israel or you support you know, the child-killing terrorist. Well, if you support the terrorist, then you're a bad person. Of course you're a bad person for certain terrorists. Just because you don't want Palestine to get bombed or rubble with two million people – basically kicked out and women and children being bombed with missiles, be, that doesn't make you a terrorist supporter. I mean, that would be like somebody going into a school and being a school shooter and getting a hostages in the school, basically saying, I'm a school shooter. I'm shooting people in the school. I've held up the school. And the sheriff's department comes in and they're like, yeah, you know what? Okay, we figured it out. There's a bad guy in the school. He's an active shooter. We're not sure what to do, so we're going to drop a Hellfire missile on the school. That's problem solved. The, the terrorist is dead. You may have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of you know, collateral damage, but listen, it's worth it. It's worth that to happen because we killed the bad guy in there. And so the school no longer exists. The school's rubble. Everybody's dead, but we killed the terrorist. So we're cool. Everything's good. We, we, we solved the problem. That's kind of the concept of what they're telling us we need to support right now. And so, again, 
there's no question about it. There's some really, really, really bad groups out there. There's some really bad groups out there that really hate Christians. There's some really bad groups out there that want to blow people up and take people hostages. There's no question or debate on that whatsoever. But the degree in which it is handled and the way that you use an excuse in order to justify your means has to be questioned at some point in time. You can't ever give anybody carte blanche immunity to say we're just going to handle it the way we see fit and everything is just going to go the way we say it to go is because we said it. How'd that work out with the Waco? Hmm? How'd that work out with Waco? 76 women and children burned alive to death because they wanted to get David Koresh. They got David Koresh. Everybody else died, you know, except for a handful of women and children that were able to get out that massive blaze. Again, that was the FBI and the ADTF using that scorched earth policy. It doesn't matter what happens. We have to get this one guy. Even if everybody dies, we're willing to accept those casualties. Well, yeah, because it's not their kids. It's not their wives. It's not their friends' wives. It's not their brothers. It's not their sisters. They don't care. When you're dealing with sociopaths, when you're dealing with individuals that are in parts of government that literally do not value anyone else's life because they're true psychopaths, they do not care. you got to question their narrative and how much you're going to go along with it, especially when those same psychopaths tell you you've got to wear a mask and get an RNA injection and you need to be locked in your house. Because there's an invisible virus floating in the air everywhere you go, maybe on the sidewalk, and maybe in your truck, and maybe at your neighbor's house. You can't go anywhere because it might get you. Oh, and by the way, COVID comes out after 9, so if you're out your house after 9 one you're getting arrested because you know COVID's dangerous. No, what's dangerous are the policies that are being presented to everyone and continually being told that they're gospel and everybody has to follow them no matter what and don't question them. That's what's dangerous, my friends. So keep getting the news and get the truth out there. And Dad was saying something that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've had I've had known of multiple individuals now in downtown Auburndale that have been arrested as far as migrant dopers that are just completely twacked out now. And this is a tiny little city of Auburndale. We don't even have like a homeless community here or anything. We don't have a homeless shelter here. There's, it's it's Auburndale. It's tiny. Granted, they're expanding the outskirts with all this massive housing, which is exactly what's bringing this in. And right outside the office, right next door to me in the office, watch some crazy guy. I mean, he looked like he was nuts, all strung out. Three Auburndale PD officers were arresting him when I was leaving the office the other day. Right? I mean, 100 feet from where I'm at right now, which I don't care. It's not my problem. If he comes in the office, you know what I'm going to do. But again, it was crazy because we don't really have a lot of migrants in this area because it's an old Orange Grove town. Well, then suddenly I get a photo again from Facebook yesterday, and this guy, he was just really dumb. I mean, granted, he was probably a method, so he just already isn't making wise decisions. This guy is walking around downtown Auburndale and decides to go in to the massive, brilliant jiu-jitsu school where my son trains while they're having adult combative classes, and they have CrossFit going on next door, and he decides to go in there and pull a knife. And he gets the absolute crap beat out of him. And they actually, I found out they zip tied him up, took him outside, sat him down on the curb. And everybody's out there, no shoes on, half of them are in geese. And they're standing out there on the curb with this guy keeled over, tied up, beat up, until Auburndale PD gets there to basically arrest him. They said, this is what's going to happen to anybody that shows up in Auburndale and wants to do this. Auburndale PD didn't even respond fast enough. We handled it accordingly. And there's another situation that basically some guy got arrested right down the street the other day for basically running around, acting all crazy. These things are getting worse. They're going to get worse. Even in a little town, is not immune from them anymore. The major cities, this is just a common thing. It's not even abnormal. But I'm telling you, in these tiny little towns, it's happening even here. And so be aware. Be vigilant. Make sure you know how to handle yourself and handle others. 
Yesterday, I went to go clay shooting. I haven't gone clay shooting in like 15 years, you know, so it's, I'm, it's a little different to me only having two rounds in a gun. I find that completely useless, but the sport calls for that, so I go along with it. Two rounds to me is nothing. You know, anything with me, standard capacity is 30 rounds. And so it was interesting. It was really fun to start shooting clays again and get back in, and I'll probably actually start doing it more. Really good uh, hand-eye coordination and using the rifles that, you know, are designed for that, only shoot two rounds. But again, you get used to it, and it was really fun. I had a good time with it. And again, even stuff like that, training and just doing mild things like that helps keep you active on a trigger. Even just going to some classes sometimes and rolling around with some jiu-jitsu and doing some striking or even taking boxing classes or just getting a punching bag and working on it in training. Stay active and understand how your body's functioning as you get older and continue to adapt to it and keep your family, your friends, and your country as safe as possible. I appreciate you, my friends. Continue to get the truth out there. Keep standing strong. Keep standing firm. Appreciate everything you do. If you guys need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com. We're here to help you out the best we possibly can. And be sure to take advantage of the sale that's ending, the ultimate multiple powder on sale for over 15% off right now on the website at healthmasters.com. And be sure to check out the B-Complex formula that's also going on sale as well as product of the week. Have an awesome evening, my friends, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network. <laughs>